0: Hey there, welcome to the final Rich Tang's Less Square Theatre podcast of series twelve. But never fear, series thirteen is gonna be here very soon. We'll be back with Kathy Burke and Adam Kay. You can still buy tickets for the Less Square Theatre on the fifth of February. Twelfth of February is sold out. Nineteenth of February is Trevor and Simon. Uh, and someone else to be announced. And 26th of February is Mackenzie Crook and Kiri and Rachel from the All Killer, No Filler podcast. There's some other fantastic dates coming up, March the 5th, Peter Bainham and, uh, yeah, God Jazz and Catherine Ryan. Brian Blessed on the 12th and Al Murray coming up and we'll be confirming the other dates as soon as possible. But also, I'm about to go off on tour. It starts on 1st of February in Northampton, uh, goes through pretty much... Everywhere in the United Kingdom, all right, not quite everywhere, until the 3rd of June in the the Warwick Art Centre. If you go to com slash ofrig slash tour, you can see all of the dates. Some of them are selling great, some of them are selling not so great. Um, Chorley is nearly sold out. Norwich, I think, is sold out. Sutton Coldfield sold out. But uh, coming up are Northampton on the 1st, still some tickets. Dorking on the 2nd of February, still some tickets. Uh, Leicester... On the 9th of February, lots of tickets for that one. Uh, Cambridge selling very well on the 17th. St Albans, that's a massive venue, lots of tickets left. Bambury on the 23rd, selling badly. Uh, Cardiff on the 24th, selling very well. 28th, King's Theatre Cheddar, loads more coming up um, after that. But uh, if you want a little taster of what is to come, here is me doing 45 seconds of material from the show. Yeah, for free. You get 45 seconds for free then you have to pay for the rest that's how it works in show business babies hope you enjoy it and we've recently bought a puppy because we're moving to the country you have to have 50 that's the rules and uh, I realize that's the first pet that I've ever owned that has a realistic chance of outliving me Um, (laughs) when I buy a bag for life now I think yeah yeah Person than I was uh, 10 years ago, at 40 I was single, I was going out every night, I was getting drunk, I was very depressed, uh, I was hanging around with people half my age, just having sex every night with a different person, nameless, faceless strangers. I have to say, you know, in the end, I have to tell you the whole thing, it did just make me very happy, it was, it was awesome. Thanks again, hope you enjoy this new Reheat Leicester part Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who has just been told goodbye by one of his audience. <laughs> even though he isn't even on stage yet, how did that happen? It's Richard Harry! <laughs> Welcome to the final episode of series 12 uh, of Richard Harris Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. I was talking to uh, my Alexa device. (laughs) It's it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool device. You can say stuff to it and uh, it will do the things. And you can say, Alexa, give me an emergency question. And if you've downloaded the emergency questions app, it will give you an emergency question. I think I might just get film that and then we can uh, clip to it doing that. It's quite freaky. Uh, so uh, we got one to find out. Anyway, Alexa, my best friend who is a robot voice, a bit covered in semen, she calls it... Uh, it's in the kitchen, but I still manage. It's all right if it's a robot. Those are the rules. Uh, That's the new rules. She calls it Rahela So that is... um, I've... uh, This this, uh, podcast pretty much will mark, when it comes out, will mark uh, almost exactly 10 years to the day since I began podcasting. So that is... um, And I'm still going. And apparently... Apparently this audience considers that an achievement rather than a sad disaster. But... uh, We'll, hopefully we'll keep going for another 10 years, it's insane now. It also, as I said in the last podcast, 10 years since I started like going out with my wife, but that's not that's not going as well as the podcast. So uh, <laughs> I've only had two children, we've, like, we've done like 160-something of this. So uh, I was told my children I was watching, I've been watching Toy Story a lot with uh, my my daughter, who loves Toy Story, so you end up watching like the same film over and over again. Uh, and it's made me, I've got some questions about Toy Story, I don't know if you can... Answer these: If Buzz Lightyear thinks he is a real person, why does he freeze when he is in the company of human beings? Yeah, doesn't make sense, does it? Because, and also, you can't say, well, that's an instinctive thing that the toys do. Because no, because well, that doesn't matter. He thinks that everything thinks everything's aliens, and he doesn't freeze with all the other things. So why does he freeze with the humans? Doesn't make sense. And Woody can choose to come alive when he wants to. Makes you think, doesn't it? And who animated the toys in the first place and decided the cutoff point of what would get animated and what wouldn't? Because like is it a brick does that come alive? Does like just a piece of dirt come alive? It was. So who decided that? And why are the toys all obeying the rules of whoever decided that? Interesting question. <laughs> Why are they keeping up the ruse? What's it Even when they're being destroyed, they, still, they, they will still go, no, I'm going to carry on not moving. Fucking move, mate. He's about to blow you up with a rocket. Well, it's good questions. Uh, you know, the audience are shocked into silence. <laughs> they haven't thought of that. Anyway, my guest this week, my final guest of the series, we save saved the best to last. He's probably best known for his appearance on episode 14 of Richard Henning's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. <laughs> He was also a team captain on What the Dickens. Yeah, yeah, I could hear the screams of excitement from that. It's Dave Gorman, ladies and gentlemen! Are you, Dave Gorman? Are you? But are you? Dave Gorman, welcome, come in, sit down, pull up a microphone. I will pull up a microphone. Sit
1: down, make yourself at home. Welcome, welcome again. It's very nice to be here what again. What do you think of the new chairs? I was thinking I should have held off until the next series <laughs> when you're going to get some fucking new chairs. That's what I'm thinking. We'll get you back another yeah. in the future when those new chairs are old. Of course, you, Richard, yeah. are best known as Percy the Shepherd <laughs> in am. Servants I from 2003, am. aren't you? I am well known. What was your motivation a... for that role, Richard? Well, I... Um,
0: it was Somerset. Yeah. my motivation Gannon, was to be something. creation did, yeah, yeah. It w- and it went out against I think celebrity celebrity brother or something like that it was it disappeared without trace uh, there was yeah Joe Absalom, Joe Absalom was on it I met him It was digging a yeah. scene with him he was a nice guy from EastEnders mm-hmm. uh, chatted with him it looked like it was going to be a big hit they wanted sexy people they wanted all sexy people to be in it and that's why I was cast yeah. as Percy yeah, yeah. the Shepherd
1: can you how many readings of you've got a, my favourite line yeah. all of us we have the same favourite line <laughs> don't we from, yeah. from Servants <laughs> Uh, may your balls, may your bollocks blacken and drop off, my lord. Oh well, yeah, that's um, good. How many? Can you try that in different sort of readings? Did the directors all a bit more of this, a bit they less that? They took my first reading of it. Okay. I'd say
0: it was the only time I, I've been for a few auditions in my life, mm-hmm. and I think I got this audition because someone I was at school with <laughs> yeah. was going out with the casting director, and they said <laughs> we're really struggling to find someone who can do a Somerset shepherd, and they said what about mm-hmm. Richard Herring, and then they got me into audition it, and I auditioned, and I thought I'm going to get this. Yeah. Only time that's ever happened. Yeah. So, uh,
1: I don't know, I was right.
0: May your I'd bullets say, blacken
1: and drop off, my yeah, lord. That's so, true. It's a great
0: line. I had to do it sort of as he was passing by and just under yeah. my breath. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, there was a, like a horse when a carriage came past. Yeah. And it was quite scary. And like the director said, oh, the promising young actor Richard Herring killed in his first strike. <laughs> oh, thanks a lot, mate. Nice one. Uh, good. You t- literally turned that round on me. I've been Louis Theroux. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and I should say, uh, I forgot to say, this was the one thing I was meant to say in the introduction. This is nothing to do with you. On our Kickstarter, thank you for backing this. This is the reason this is being videoed. We did ask some people to sponsor the shows if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. We got two people who did it, one of whom withdrew the money before it got th- taken. Okay, yeah. Uh, the only person who's... 250... Is that when you told them who was on? <laughs> no, yeah. that was before it even finished. Uh, the only person whose money went through is called Gary J. Newman. I don't think it's
1: the... Not Gary Newman. I don't think it is. He's putting the J in on purpose to, to sort of <laughs> So, it's not Gary Newman.
0: Who uh, said, I just wanted to give the podcast some money. I don't really want to be advertise anything, uh-huh. but you could mention. That's nice, isn't it? Yeah. He said, but we could mention f- facepunch.com, which I looked up. It seems to be a load of nonsense. But, you know, that is thanks for the. Thanks. Well done, Gary J. Newman. Gary J. Newman. Yeah. yeah. Thank yeah. you. So, sorry, I've, all the way through the series, I've forgotten to do that. So I'm glad I finally managed <laughs> to do it. Good for him. Anyway, let's talk to you, Dave, about. Uh, do you remember What the Dickens?
1: I do remember What the Dickens. You did quite a few What the Dickens. I did. One series of what the Dickens in one week yes. in Hay on Y in a tent. Okay. Uh which was um so it was sort of sold to me. It's gonna be a, a sort of panel show, but it's for Sky Arts, and it's gonna be quite literary, and we're doing it at the Hay Literary Festival. And it's Sandy Toxvig who is I I I she's sainted as far as I'm concerned, and it's Tim Brook Taylor as the other team captain, and I'm a huge goodies fan and the chance to work with Tim would be brilliant uh, and, and I was going to go to Hey On Way anyway to do a book reading and it just meant staying at Hey On Way for another four days and it's a lovely place to be and we recorded these panel shows uh, in a tent and instead of it being about books it just very quickly became clearly between them deciding to do it and getting there they decided that no one knew enough about books <laughs> and <laughs> so it Hay-on-Wai. was just sort of <laughs> pop culture questions right. about the Spice Girls and anything else wow. so it was a very sort of you know it was, it was a fun thing to do yeah um, I did an episode of well, What the Dickens, but it was in a different series to that, because it was in yeah, Sky, filmed yeah, Sky. Yeah. was that before or after? That was after, and, okay. and that was, um, I remember sitting there uh, with Sandy afterwards, and, and we'd done it thinking it was like a bit of a one-off, and it was to do with Hay, and it was an event, yeah. and then afterwards everyone started going, oh, we think we might get a series, and I was like, I didn't know this was a pilot, <laughs> I, didn't, I thought this is just it. And, and Sandy was saying, if there's a series, Tim, Dave, I'm not doing it without you. I'm not doing it without you. Yeah. Uh, and then I got offered the series when it went to series. And I said, is Tim doing it? And they went, no. <laughs> so she, she, she's bullshit, um, uh, Sandy. But he, he might have already said no, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he was offered it and said no, but I, I said no at that point. Sue Perkins
0: well. was one of the team captains. Sue Perkins and Chris Addison took over Chris as Addison. team captains.
1: Yeah. And rip. I did it as a guest because it was no yeah. no ill will. I just didn't want to be doing another series without All Tim Brooke Taylor. Not without me and Tim yeah. like that now. <laughs> It's good. Both got arthritic fingers. <laughs> can you believe it's um,
0: five years since you appeared on this show before? Can you I can because that?
1: I have marked time <laughs> relative to my appearance on this podcast <laughs> yeah. ever since. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I think of my life as before. <laughs> yeah. Richard Harry Lesser Square Theatre Podcast yeah. and after and now it's confusing because I've now got a, a sort of two podcasts. interregnum yeah. Um, yeah. to consider. The five year interregnum I'll have to go yeah. After the second and It's gonna yeah. get very oh, so I'll have to I'll just have to maybe I'll just go from when I was born instead from here on in. <laughs> it's Probably an easier system. Okay, yeah.
0: But a lot oh a lot has happened in that five <laughs> years hasn't it, Dave?
1: Yeah, mainly the same thing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> over and over and over again, but it has happened. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> we had we had no children, did we? Between us, neither of us had children. Ago. Now we've
1: and got three between us—one and a half each. Got,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you kindly offered backstage to uh, take my children on holiday with your my, my in-laws. in-laws. Yeah. Yeah, so that's nice. Oh, yeah.
1: We went on holiday, myself, my wife, and my in-laws, and our child. And it was the best holiday because four grown-ups and one child is brilliant. Especially when their grandparents who are starved of a lot of contact with him, so they really want to spend time with him. So we... I think since he's been born, myself and my wife have been out together of an evening maybe six times. Right. And two of them were on that holiday <laughs> in one week, and it was just joyous. Yeah. And I highly recommend you going on holiday with Avon, Ivan Richards. I'm going to. Yeah. going to. And I'm not going to bring the kids. So I'm just yeah. going to go. <laughs> <laughs> The best kind of holiday
0: is two people, no in-laws and no kids. That is... I can't remember. <laughs> That's the best. I can't those are the good times. I can't remember because we are not allowed to go on holiday anymore. Uh, it's uh, so. But my, I've got a son called Ernie, and you've got a son called Eric. Yeah. And we called him Ernie. Yeah. So that just in case my backup plan of Stuart Lee's son and my son forming yeah. a double X. Yeah. My uh, my real plan was me and Stuart Lee's son forming a double act. Yeah, uh, and ju- just the double act consisting of him looking exactly like young Stuart Lee. Yeah, and yeah. then me being old and him turning to me going. <laughs> uh, but then my second plan was for my
1: daughter or my son yeah. to have a double act with the Lee. But I think like Eric and Ernie, we were I was a slightly annoyed because we had thought if we have a second child and it's a boy, then Ernie was high on the list. <laughs> okay, and now we kind of can't. Oh. You can Although. I mean it's sort of it's sort of semi-serious we do think about it but then there is that point where you would be in a park and they'd both run off and you would be there going Eric Ernie (laughs) and and it would be ridiculous but we did think about it and now we kind of can't because we know you well enough for that to be awkward sorry Dave alright my nephew has a
0: son yeah he's called Albert so they can do a double act called Bert and Ernie as well so I've really he's thought everything the pivot <laughs> <laughs> he has to be in one of them or the other or all of them yeah. he could just be in yeah. everything he might turn out not to be very funny <laughs> well could be genetically that's yeah. quite likely yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> uh. It's funny, as, as, as Eric started That's being, not fair, your wife uh, is hilarious. She is very so funny. <laughs> uh,
0: as, as Eric started... Like, I had this... Yesterday, we had some friends around, and um, they did this thing where... Um, they, you know those big balls, expanding balls from the science museum that are just yeah, made again? Yeah, so yeah. they're not... It got thrown quite high in the air, and it hit Phoebe on the head, right? And obviously mm-hmm. no damage was done. It yeah. made of pipes. And she went... And then she went... And then she kind of did a really brilliant pratfall and then lay down for about three or four minutes as yeah. if she was knocked out. And it was the funniest thing I've ever said. The timing was brilliant. Yeah. I just thought, this is how has she learned to... No, I haven't... no one's ever taught her to do that. Yeah. And then you just think, this is, this is brilliant. They started being independently amusing. Yeah. Have you, have you, has Eric got to that point yet?
1: He's Eric bit... is. I don't know how much of it's conscious and how much of it isn't. He, he does this thing. I think it's very funny and I think he knows it's funny and I think he partly does it because he's rewarded with laughter. He will nag you for something. So he, he loves a mini milk. Yeah. Uh, so he'll be in the kitchen trying to open the freezer door and okay, mini milk, mini milk, <laughs> mini milk, mini milk, mini milk, mini milk. And if eventually you say, Eric, would you like a mini milk? He goes, OK. Uh, <laughs> As if it was all your idea. <laughs> Which I, I think, I just I love. <laughs> um.
0: What I like about the ice, the ice lolly as currency is my daughter will be like, you'll go in the morning, you'll give her whatever for breakfast, you'll yeah. like anything else for breakfast, you'll go, ice lolly? And you go, yes, you can't have ice lollies for breakfast. And you go, oh, please, please. Every morning we go through the same yeah. thing. <laughs> And they say it's not, It will never happen. It never happens. A, it's quite interesting that she keeps on trying. Yeah. B, when she's out the room, I have an ice lolly. Because <laughs> 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 she's gone on about it so much, it makes me. I like, she likes tangled. Yeah. yeah, she yeah. likes tangled twisters. Yeah, have you got those. They're not the no. mini milks
1: are probably a bit healthier. Mini milks are. Uh, we feel like it's the healthiest of the ice lollies. <laughs> tango twisters aren't healthy. They're nice, he so. had he had his first taste of pop two days ago. All oh, right, and that that was you know never again. Um, they, I mean, it, what's amazing when you see a toddler who's had like it was like tango or something, and he just had a few sips of of it, um, and you see how. On crack he is <laughs> after that. Do you know what it reminded me of? Years ago, I was at the New Zealand Comedy Festival, and in New Zealand, they had this energy drink that was... It's basically Red Bull, but it's not Red Bull. And it was in a can, the same diameter, but twice as tall, that was painted to look like a, a stick of dynamite. And, and you weren't allowed to sell it to children. It was that potent. It was like, this is yeah. for adults only, even though it's just like caffeine and taurine and all that. And one night at the sort of late-night festival club... Bill Bailey decided to drink four and then do his set. (laughs) (laughs) And so we all sort of crowded on the balcony to watch the most hyper Bill you've ever seen in your life. And it was hilarious. And Eric was that, (laughs) after like three sips of Tango. And you look at it and go, what's amazing actually is how we are able to process that kind of sugar without going like that, because that's what it does to the human body. Yeah. And he was completely hyper. And we were driving home from a, a soft play, and he sort of never does this, but again, this really, really made us laugh, because we're, sort of, we're driving along, and there's always cars here, and there's cars there. And all of a sudden, we sort of slowed down in traffic, and Eric looked out the window and went, hello, car, it's Eric. LAUGHTER <laughs> Why did you not say hello to all the other cars? Why are you <laughs> rude to all of them? There are just as many of them. What's, yeah. what's the thing?
0: Oh, it's nice. <laughs> Do you think when comedians have children, they become quite boring and just talk about their kids?
1: <laughs> I think... I think comedians whose children aren't as fascinating as mine. Uh, yeah, probably. I think, but well, I think it's quite interesting because lots of
0: people put that, say that to comedians. Yeah, I yeah. think it's, I don't think it really stacks up because you see a lot of comedians have uh, kids. That's not like Stuart and Bridget who had kids and were still doing shows, like yeah, with the, yeah, you yeah. know with young kids and doing very inventive, incredible shows. But also, it's I think I think it says more about the kind of people who say that than it does because it's like going. I have to go and see a comedian who shares the same life experience as me, and the minute they don't anymore, it's boring
1: to me. Is that is that I, fair? I, 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 I think for well, for me because especially because I do the stuff with PowerPoint. The whole point of that for me is you don't have to know about it in advance. I'm going to show you all the details. I'm going to show you all. My working you don't ever have to have seen this thing you will still be able to find it funny so i've done shows in america where american audiences are finding homes under the hammer funny and they've never seen it and they're not sitting there going how dare you talk to us about this they're watching the 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 thinking and the working out and it's absolutely fine yeah and so inevitably my tv diet has changed And so I've done material about Topsy and Tim, but all I'm doing is applying exactly the same methodology as I applied to Topsy and Tim, as I, as I applied previously to Holmes and the Hammer.: <laughs> Yes. And you don't need to have watched it. No. And it's, it's not twee... The thing to avoid for me is the, you know, opening the nappy and him weeing on you and all that sort of yeah. observational stuff, which I think has, that's been dealt with. Well, when it's been but done, yeah. Yeah. But there's other stuff... In yeah, there, C- or and mainly you just sort of apply this. If you're doing it your way, yeah. then I don't think it really matters what it is. You've done um, five series.
0: Is it? is it the fifth series or the fourth?
1: Yeah, the fifth, fifth series, series is on at the moment. Uh, of... of Modern Life is goodish. Yeah, uh,
0: and it's it's sort of an incredible feat. And I do we, we you know we we do see each other socially every now and again, so I know how hard you work on it. But but um, you know you're basically writing well. How many episodes in this series? Eight episodes. There's eight in in there's,
1: there's thirty six across the five series we did. The first series was six, then we did two of eight. And then the year where it was born, I said, I'm not doing eight. So we did six again. Yeah, fair and enough. now we've done eight this year. Can't do eight in, yeah. in that a year like that. That would yeah. be insane. So it's 36 in total. Yeah.
0: yeah. And so you're basically, I mean, they're, they're an hour long or, or 50 minutes long. It's sort of 45, 46 yeah. minutes in total. So telly you're terms basically you're
1: writing eight, eight Edinburgh shows a year. Yeah. With a bit of help. I'm not, uh, yeah. I have some brilliant people working with me. But it has to have a sort of integrity and it is. I get loads of people punters sort of saying, "Oh, you should do stuff about this," and it's. It, I've, I tried occasionally, and it never works. It c- works when it comes from my own experience. Yeah. So even though there's people helping me, I kind of have to be instigating most of it. Yeah. And, and and creating most of it. doing
0: the PowerPoint yourself, which is incredibly difficult, isn't it? you haven't never found anyone who can do the PowerPoint.
1: We, we tried. The, the basically, it's it's sort of limited by my flaws. So I've never been able to write something. And then, have, and then say to someone else, can you see how that's PowerPointed? Go and, go and do that bit of the job. Yeah. A lot of the, I, I basically never write anything down on paper. I build PowerPoint, and as I'm building it, I think of jokes. Yeah. And unless I'm actually looking at how the PowerPoint moves and changes, and there's about 500, 600 slides in an hour, unless I'm doing that, I don't think of the things. Right. So it's, it's impossible, and it's a really slow, fucking boring <laughs> part of the job. So I work 100 hours a week for the two weeks before recording, and I go to bed at five in the morning, and I get, I'm at my desk again at 10 in the morning, and that's the only way of getting it done. Yeah, and it's it's so it's kind of brutal. But it's not the that's not kind of oh woe is me. It's just for two weeks. That's the only way of making enough slides. Sure. that's it. So it's just a. Bit but it's of a pain incredible.
0: It's, I mean, no. I, I think we've both discussed how hard each other worked, <laughs> yeah. but that's an incredible. It is. It is it? You're, you're about the other person. Going, yeah, well, yeah well,
1: you look at all you do. You know, kind of, it's but, fair enough. With,
0: but then you know, a lot of my stuff's just me messing around, making it up as I go along. So that's easy. But then uh, you know, to to be writing shows that are, and that are that well crafted, and they've got callbacks within them, and they all work as individual shows. It is very, it's a very impressive, you know, series, a show, and then it's six Thank series you. worth. I'm really enjoying this uh, series. I've seen all the, the as we. Talk, four episodes have gone out, though. I think yeah. they will, and this like, is going to go
1: out in the new year, won't it? So yeah, they'll all yeah, so have gone they'll out. They'll all right have then. gone
0: out. Yeah. So I'll I'll just imagine the second four
1: are a good too. They're they are. Yeah, they're, okay. they're all right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you like the first four, I think you'll like the next four.
0: <laughs> but I quite like the. You know, it's it's nice as a. If you watch all of them,
1: the, yeah. You do
0: some nice callbacks to to previous shows without it being exclusive as well. I think so. There's
1: there's a, there's a it's a weird. It sort of feeds itself. Um, and the first couple of times we were do- talking about something that had like an echo in series two. The, I can not even an example, but we're talking about something that had an echo of something in series one, and the audience would remember it. And, yeah. they, and you could tell from their reaction. So you, in, now we're just sort of like, every time there's the opportunity. Yeah. You know, since series three, every time there's been reason to talk about a 20-pound note, it's been folded in a particular way. and yeah. Every time <laughs> the audience sees it folded in a particular way, there's a little ripple of applause. <laughs> and God knows what people who have never seen the show before think. Like yeah, there's list of really them. boring, boring origami <laughs> fans out there. But um, yeah, there's, lo- there is, there's lots of that, and it has kind of created its own little ecosystem for I, a certain I, audience.
0: I like Neil Sean, yes. <laughs> who has made a couple of appearances. He has, And this yeah. series is sort of extraordinary in that you found this DVD of D. R. H. W.
1: H. O, Yeah,
0: with the lost interviews of
1: Doctor yeah. Who. It is one of the most extraordinarily... ...awful pieces of merchandise I've ever seen in my life. And I'm not a Doctor Who fan... ...so I don't, I don't sort of bring a lot of knowledge to it... ...but I can watch it and go, that's bullshit... <laughs> ...every single step of the way. And it, I mean, it's literally... ...it, it boasts on it um, with original, exclusive... ...and extensive interviews with David Tennant, Doctor Who himself. And, and he was the Doctor Who at the time this was released. And there's about four and a half minutes on the DVD with David Tennant... One and a half minutes of which is repeated. <laughs> so actually there's about three minutes with David Tennant. <laughs> and in the other one and a half minutes, that's not the bit that's repeated, Neil Sean asks one question, and the other question is asked by the journalist who stood next to him. And David Tennant cannot wait to get away from both of them. <laughs> <laughs> and if he's, I mean, it's just... It's, it's quite remarkable. And yeah. he's just sort of lying...
0: Yeah, well, you know, it's
1: that cashing in
0: thing where you know certain people will buy everything. Yes. Do you know how much that uh, DVD is currently on on eBay, (laughs) on on Amazon for? It's over 100 quid now.
1: £195.60. It (laughs) (laughs) It was (laughs) £3.99 when we did the material about (laughs) it. But but the kind of there's this thing on on, um, Amazon, this sort of happens in a small way to one of my DVDs as well. There's a great blog about it, and it's it's, um, some guy who wrote an academic textbook about insects discovered that his book was selling for like $450 on Amazon. And the reason is, you get two sellers on Amazon, and one of them, they just sort of operate by an algorithm. So one of them will have an algorithm that says, uh, find out what our competitors are selling this for, and then match it. And the other one is going, we've got a really strong reputation. We are a very trusted seller. So find out what our competitors are selling for, and then add on 2%. And so one of them goes in at nine quid and the other one goes in at nine pounds plus two percent and the other one goes, in, all right, we can go at nine quid and two percent. And then they go, oh, bloody hell, they're at nine quid and two percent. Let's add two percent. And it just goes up and up and up and up. And if it's a book that no one is buying, there's no break on that process and it just escalates <laughs> and it ends up, in, in this case, it's, sort of, it's, it's not proof that anyone will pay 195 pounds for his DVD. It's proof that no one will pay three pounds for his DVD. <laughs> So it's just travelled, and neither of those sellers have gone. What the fuck? <laughs> Put it
0: down. But then also, I'm sure people, having having seen your episode, <laughs> I would love to watch the DVD. I would love to watch that DVD now. It's the same as everyone going on about Don Estelle's autobiography being sort of terrible and yeah. poorly written, and then you
1: yeah, yeah, no, you, there's definitely that goes an up ironic and and enjoyment, and if yeah. people, and, and there were certainly people I know who bought it out of for, for that ironic pleasure, and they probably helped to sort of create a tension that made those algorithms kick in, or something. But it is, um, be- because, generally, like when we've taken the piss out of people on the show, it's really tongue in cheek, and it's a very like, the only person I've ever given a proper kicking to is Neil Sean, yes. and we've now done it twice. Um, <laughs> and I do absolutely hate the man. I think, he's a, <laughs> I think he's a charlatan, I think he's a mean-spirited little shit. I think he's unprofessional. I think he's lazy. I think he uh, is illiterate. I think he... (laughs) He teaches people, he offers courses where he takes money to teach how to broadcast and there's his DVD that is self-shot and badly lit and full of lies. His writing is appalling. I I, I want to do... uh, He's written a book about Marilyn Monroe and I want to release a book where I do a sentence-by-sentence critique of it where I just could literally... The first sentence is incorrect and so is the second and so is the third. I just find him the most appalling human being and he's a leech. He, He completely... He just sort of... He's a showbiz, waspy kind of critique, critic of people. And he sits on the fringes being mean-spirited and looking at women and going, oh, that dress. And he's just, it's just mean. There's just nothing nice about what he does. And I I just think he's awful. And because I can't hide how much I hate him. (laughs) And it's less funny when you know there's actual hatred in there. (laughs) And I I don't want to hate him. I can't help how much I hate him because he's so mean-spirited and evil in what he does. He's so bad at what he does, and it, what he does shows so little respect for an audience. And that's the, that genuinely is the thing that annoys me the most. The idea that you think that's okay, yes. to toss that shit out <laughs> with lies and bullshit and everything's incorrect and, you don't, and you're trying to take money. I just think it's a horrible thing to do. And I can't hide that. And when we were sort of doing dry runs of the material, <laughs> my hatred would sort of bubble over, (laughs) and an audience who would be laughing along would suddenly be going, oh, God. (laughs) Oh. Is that a bit harsh? (laughs) and, And we solved it by getting uh, a Doctor Who expert in, uh, and he's a very funny comic, yes, Toby I mean. Haydock, uh, and he's also happens to be like the biggest Doctor Who fan in the world, and he does a podcast all about Doctor Who, and when anything Doctor Who is happening, he'll appear on BBC Breakfast as the Doctor Who expert and whatever. So he's a proper aficionado, and we didn't show him any of the DVD. In, instead of me relating what I thought about the show, which had that kind of bubbling, seething <laughs> hatred, which I, I try my hardest to disguise. I would just sort of play a bit and then go, Toby, what do you think? <laughs> and it allowed me to be completely clean. And his shock, his uh, visible that, he-, he looked like we were making it up, like the whole thing was a sketch, like we'd paid Neil Sean to recall something that appalling. Yeah. I- There's a bit where he says, um, in this exclusive interview, I talked to Felicity Kendall about what it was like playing Agatha Christie in Doctor Who. And then there's a clip of him talking to um, Felicity Kendall and it's about a West End play and at no point does he mention her playing Agatha Christie <laughs> in Doctor Who. And, and I'm Toby, the Doctor Who expert is there and i, I was saying, why, why do you think he doesn't mention her playing Agatha Christie in Doctor Who. Because she didn't play (laughs) Agatha Christie in Doctor Who. It's that bad. Not only is he not doing the thing he said he's doing, he can't do the thing he's doing because the thing he said he would be doing isn't possible. (laughs) She didn't play that. Imagine doing that little research. You don't even know what part Felicity Kendall played that you're pretending you were talking to her about when you weren't talking to her about it. (laughs) It's just mind blowing to be that bad. And have you heard from him what he thinks about your your coverage of him? Um... No, this time, the first time we talked about him, and it was about... He used to have a column in the Metro. It was a sort of shipping... Fuckers. (laughs) Fuckers. Yeah. um, so it was like a showbiz gossip column called Green Room Behind Closed Doors. Uh, and it was all this sort of, oh, so-and-so's been smoking outside the green room, and oh, Kylie says this. Mm-hmm. So-and-so is excited to be getting a part in the West End. It was it was just like sentences and and, <laughs> and lots of them repeated and messed around and just like you could see sort of tropes in it. And so it was very easy to sort of go through. And he got really, really upset and and started sort of complaining, and he got a couple of his sort of... I don't know if he got... Them, a couple of his showbiz friends were uh, were sort of the next morning going, oh, I don't know why Dave Goldman's being so harsh about Neil Shorten. To which the answer is, he's a professional journalist who is incompetent, and <laughs> it's a, a nationally syndicated column, and I've proved his three lies from him, and here's his book, which is full of distortions and dishonesty, and him appearing on Australian national television and saying, oh, Prince William told me that the way he gets a good... Uh, uh, Scent is to mix two aftershaves, so you get unique smelling point. No, he he didn't. There's absolutely no way (laughs) Prince William told you that. (laughs) You're just lying, right? Just literally, just (laughs) it's just calling out a liar for being a liar. It's really, you know, there's nothing wrong with us. Fair game. It's not like just some chancer with a blog. He's broadcasting to a nation. This sort of stuff, you know. And one of a Sky News reader was the next one. Oh God, Dave's been a bit harsh about Neil because Neil used to be a pundit on his show. Uh, and I sent him a copy of some tweets that Neil Sean had sent. Saying, are you sure he's a nice guy? And there's a tweet from Neil that says, "Oh, now I know why they wear a burka, saw the wind blow on up, pot ugly. Um, uh, yeah, exactly, this is the man we're talking about, right? Uh, and this Sky News reader I mean, he went, oh, I didn't know that, fair enough. <laughs> uh, <laughs> go, go for your life. <laughs> um, and Neil decided that, um, that the show was homophobic. And there was literally at no point, I didn't do an impression of him, I didn't do anything that was sort of campish, I didn't do a voice for him, I literally just read his words and his sexuality did not come into it. And because he was getting upset, I was using TweetDeck at the time and I created a column for at Neilshawn1. I do like the fact that he has to have the username at Neilshawn1, it's just sort of a bit satisfying. Uh, So I had a column running for that and I would see every comment that was going to him and most of them were just going, ha ha, you liar, you've been, you know, and you know, giving him a little dig in the ribs for it. Occasionally, people would be tweeting things like, ah, oh, you fucking cunt, and I would tell them off. I would always go, that's not fair, that's personal abuse, leave it out. Yeah. That's, not, that's not what we're doing here. So I was always, I was completely honest, I read every single tweet that was going to him. And I, I thought I'd call him at work, so I called his work and said, can I speak to Neil Sean, please? And they said, who's speaking? I said, it's Dave Gorman. And they said, okay, wait a minute. And he, this sort of panic on the phone, and he said, what do you want? I said, I'm just just calling to make peace. I don't know why you're upset. Literally, you know, you're a professional journalist. Part of what you do is you criticize other people. You say, this person's performance isn't good enough, this person's this. I'm saying, you're a liar, here's my proof. and I'm providing the proof and an audience wouldn't go with it if I didn't have the proof if I didn't have here's a thing he wrote and here's another thing he wrote and here's another thing he wrote and here's the truth you can't do that without the proof it doesn't work and so the, I can back up everything I've said about you and I don't know why you're upset because you do this to other people this is your game you're a professional and you're you know what's, what's the deal you go well I've been getting homophobic abuse go, on Twitter go, yes go, I've seen every tweet sent to you <laughs> you haven't well, they'd be sending direct messages. Well, at the time, you could only send a direct message to someone if you were following them. And he was following 28 people, and one of them was Cher. <laughs> I was like, You haven't. And if they're the people you're following in this direct message, then that's not the people watching this. Well, I'm taking it up with the police. And then he, he wrote, he started writing to sort of gay campaign groups going, this comedian is homophobic and he's been doing material about me because me off for being gay, and, uh, 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 and sort of trying to incite yeah, yeah. the sort of placard-waving crowd against me. And he wrote to Boy George saying all this, <laughs> and Boy George is following me on Twitter, so I sent him a direct message and said, look, I'm sure you've dismissed Neil Sean's <laughs> rantings for what they are, uh, but just on the off chance that any part of that made you concerned, here's a link to where the episode's online, no pressure, but I I swear if you watch it, you'll see there's not a homophobic word in the show. And he went, oh, don't worry, I hate queens as well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what's what's astonishing about it is that you're... The whole of the show, the whole of all every show of modern life is good. You're at such pains, I think, always to make sure that you're you know you're not seen as uh, targeting the wrong thing. I think you're. I uh, have yeah. all the comedians I've seen. You're the most careful, I think, in terms of this isn't about this. This is about this. You know. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And there's absolutely no suggestion with it. I, I that you know I didn't even realise he was gay, to be honest. No, exactly, exactly. You, you, you could strung. watch the show and yeah, yeah. there's
1: absolutely nothing you would take away no, no. knowing anything about his sexuality. No. So it's, it's entirely thing he brought into the argument. Um, and I, I, he got really upset last time and, and he made it worse for himself. And I'm genuinely pleased that this time he maintained a dignified silence. Although, yeah. with the Doctor Who DVD, where literally almost every word is a lie, <laughs> it would be really hard to defend. I mean, he <laughs> would be really... Yeah, a sticky wicket. He's he sitting at home out. printing up more copies of that DVD and, <laughs> <laughs> and catching good, it. Good luck to the man. I wish him no ill. I just wish he'd try and do things well. Um
0: and in that same episode, um, you talk about there's a great you're talking about kind of copying things, things that copies. You yeah, come across yeah, yeah. um various uh Disney style DVDs that yeah. So there's uh, instead of happy feet, there's Tappy Toes. Yeah. And instead of uh, uh, well, there's one that's um, tap Tappy. I went on Amazon. Tappy Toes is four ninety nine. Yeah. If you want to buy that, to see that.
1: I no, don't there's a, Don't.
0: There's a three pack which has Tappy Toes, Puss in Boots, and Chop Kick Panda. Yeah. <laughs> that costs four pound forty eight. So if you if you're going to if you want to buy Tappy Toes which I kind of do, having seen a little yeah. clip of
1: it. My favourite is Ratatouille. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is exactly what you think it is. <laughs> From the time, they, are, they are remarkable things. Yes. I think they're largely Brazilian, or Portuguese right, okay. is where they're made. I know one or the other. Um, and they're just these uh, cheap animation houses. Yeah. And I don't know if they have to achieve sort of an, a 60-minute or a 90-minute running time <laughs> to qualify. I don't know why they are as long as they are. But... Each and every one of them has got a, a scene, several scenes, where the same bit of animation is just used over and over and over and over and over, <laughs> yeah. and, over, and, over and over and over again because it's cheap yeah. um, and nothing significant is happening.
0: Is there, is there, has anyone done one with the Shrek in it? Is there,
1: yeah. <laughs> a I mean, Shrek, I, I might it's, do. It's probably not a Shrek yeah. because they wouldn't be allowed to have a Shrek. Well. But there's probably a if it's a Shrek with a, a lowercase s
0: it might, might
1: work there's, probably, uh, there's almost certainly one with a green ogre that's not called Shrek <laughs> that's called something else I want to see that else. I'm going again yeah. I want
0: to buy all these things um, and I don't know if we talked about this last time but you were in the Daily Show in the uh, in the mid 2000s I had a little stint there Yeah. yeah. along yeah. with
1: John Oliver yeah
0: how do you feel about John Oliver's
1: uh, American success? I, I love John Oliver's American exe- success. I was actually... Uh, this is, this is going to be a very self aggrandizing anecdote, uh, for which I apologise, um, but it is the truth. I had... This illustrates something about British and American TV, and the fact yeah. that I'm a part of this story just makes me a sort of Zelig figure that I don't actually have any great impact on anything. But there, I had... Years ago, I was a script editor on the 11 o'clock show, which is much derided by many people, but also featured an incredibly talented bunch of people who oft, almost all went on to do great things and, sure. and whatever. Uh, and it was a weird show, and it was a bit late night and it was a bit swearing. I, I wasn't a huge fan of the show, but it paid my Edinburgh debts to script edit it for one series. And because of my involvement in that, and because I'd done some daily show stuff, Channel 4 were looking to bring back a new sort of 11 o'clock show that was gonna be the new answer to the Daily Show Only British. And I got called in for a meeting by people who said, would you help us produce it? And I said, no, satire's not really my beat. I'm not really doing very topical stuff on The Daily Show. It's not my my thing. And they were going, oh, please, even if you don't... You don't have to do anything on camera. Even if you leave the minute we've cast it, if you could help us put the thing together because you have an insight into it, you've seen how they do it, and we'd be really interested. I was going, I'm not going to do it. Um, In my experience, and obviously people at Channel 4 have changed, but some of the people there... What they wanted when they did the 11 o'clock show was young people who'd do what they were told. And I don't think you can have satire with young people who do what they're told. I think you need to have old people who have an opinion and are going to go, no, we're not fucking doing that, we're doing this. Because it matters. And they have to have a bit of that in them to be a proper satirist. Uh, and rather than... Oh, yeah, yeah, certainly, if you want to stand here and say that, absolutely. I don't think that's, that's what makes satirists. So I was like, that's what's, that was what was wrong with it the last time. I worry that it'll be like that again, in which case I don't want to really be involved. My top tip to you would be to hire John Oliver. I think he's brilliant. And he's the only sort of working comic on the circuit at the moment who's got the gravitas and who is actually a satirist, who's actually doing proper satire rather than pointing out that particular politicians are ugly or fat or whatever. Real, talking about the issues. And they went, yeah, we told Channel 4 that, but they're not interested, they didn't like his voice. (laughs) And I went, do you mean his comic voice? His, his attitude his t- and they went no his accent <laughs> so Channel 4 turned down John Oliver when they were trying to do a British reboot of the Daily Show a couple of months later I was in New York doing some Daily Show stuff and we'd finished the recording and I was walking back to, into the offices with John and the series producer and they said to me you probably know we're looking for an English correspondent on the show and I said yeah and there was, no, I, there was no part of me thinking, oh, are they going to... Because I, I, I didn't want to move to New York, and they knew I was very comfortable doing my little bits every now and then. And they said, uh, you know, we've auditioned a whole load of people, just interested, is, is there anyone you'd recommend? And I said, yeah. I said, yeah, John Oliver. And they went, oh, it's so good to hear that, because that's who we've hired. <laughs> so the Americans who do the show that Channel 4 were trying to copy had looked at <laughs> everyone in England and gone... He's the man. Yeah. And when Channel 4 were trying to copy them, they couldn't fucking even copy that. <laughs> Which I, I found remarkable. Yes. It was, uh, but John, John, I, I crossed over a little bit, because I used to go over and do like three shows in one day or in a, over a couple of days and, yeah. and be there for a week and then go away again and they'd sort of show them. And I, and I was never great on it. I, I never really nailed it. I'm not sort of, you know, I, I, it is all right occasionally, but it wasn't as good as it should be, as that show should be. And John came in and just blitzed it from the beginning. And you could see him going, oh, (laughs) people who let me do this (laughs) <laughs> i've been trying to do this for ages and nobody would let me this is nice and he was just like dr water and absolutely deserves all his success because he is yeah. fucking brilliant yes he is
0: it's, yeah. it's insane that you know it's absolutely insane that he had to go to america it is
1: it is well you know but he was there and he was available and and they they could have had him doing yeah. that show over here had they had the appetite for it but somebody at channel 4 decided he had an estuary accent that they weren't impressed with yeah <laughs> well, i funny. I did. A, I did. A, there was something like E4
0: attempted a, a like it was pilot something. I'm not yeah. sure they even went. Maybe they went out as well, but uh, who knows? Uh, but <laughs> On we, E4, we E4, did <laughs> a week long thing. But they had. It was like a panel, and John and Andy were both on that yeah, panel. Yeah, yeah. But there was about ten it was like a big table with about ten people and everyone trying to get in on it and it was yeah, just yeah. like a disaster. But again it had such amazing people in it. And again John Oliver there you know yeah. I know oh, it's, like, it's being such it's a
1: ridiculous used. missed opportunity. But you
0: know, there we go. There we go.
1: Oh. Now Richard Yes. If you could be hung like a horse yeah. <laughs> but also uh, yeah be the size and shape of a horse but not a horse. <laughs> or be hung like a mouse yeah. and be you. <laughs> yeah. Which would you be? Um, this is from well, my book. Emergency questions. That's a good
0: question. Well, I mean, the second one is what I am at the moment anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So I would... I would attempt, I would try. I've got quite fascinated with horses. I live in the countryside now. Look, look Dave. Look, look, my trousers have mud on them. Yeah. Because I live in the countryside. Uh, and everywhere you walk... My trousers have got shit on them because I've got a kid. <laughs> yeah. Well, it might be that as well. Uh, but horses fascinate me. I've talked about it a little bit already on this podcast, but they don't look... When you get up close to them, and I grew up in the countryside, so I should know this. Yeah. When you get close to them, they don't look real. Uh, you know, there's there's things that make... When you start living in the countryside, I don't think, I I start thinking that the world is like a Truman Show construct, and they've put most of the work into the cities to make them look real, and when you get to the country, everything just sort of starts. (laughs) And you go up close to a horse, and you look at it, you go, that's not a real thing. (laughs) That's, their kind of face is weird, they've got hair, it's like got hairstyles. There's a horse really near to me. That looks exactly like Dobby from Peep Show, and like and just the same hairstyle. And it's just like, and that is no insult to Izzy City. It's the horse just has the same hairstyle as the as the character.
1: What's that? And someone's just gone. I'll just use the Izzy for. That's just use the Dobby from Peep Show. Simpsons template line of uh, in the Simpsons episode where they're filming something and the kids are all watching them film something, and and they have to paint horses to look like cows. Right. And they go, why are you painting the horses? Cows just don't look like cows on film. We, we have to paint horses. Go, so what do you do for horses? Ah, oh, you do we just tape a load of cats together. They're really... They've they got whiskers,
0: right? Horses got whiskers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, that's not right. They, they never have to go through a narrow place. They don't even have to know how wide they are they think beards? their whiskers are as
1: wide as the horse? <laughs> That's
0: what, they, don't the, the they, don't, they don't need whiskers. For the canal towing. They don't need whiskers. They scratch their ears with their back hooves. That is weird. I'm just going to
1: point out, Richard, that both you and I have got whiskers and neither of us need them either. <laughs> Mine are the same width as... <laughs> Paul Chowdhury's are the same width as his Yeah, son. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Paul Chowdhury's moustache is the same width as him, but neither you or I are there.
0: Great question. Uh, I'll ask... i didn't, I'll definitely ask you this question. I'll ask this. This is the last I'm going to ask it. If you were going to be in a human centipede, the last time he's ever going to Richard be. Richard Herring,
1: asking. Stuart Lee.
0: Oh, wow. Am I at the front?
1: Yeah. OK. Good. No, I, sorry. I, I, it's, I'd rather just answer that than think about it.
0: <laughs> I don't want to
1: think about it. Yeah, it's nice. It's a good day. Here tomorrow. OK. Well, we're not going to do it. <laughs> it was like, well, now I didn't know I had the chance. <laughs> Please I was welcome. really dealing in the hypothetical if you had to, not if you could. Please welcome Stuart Lee and the mad scientist. Yes. If the question Listen. began, if you could be in a human centipede, the answer would be, I wouldn't. If you have choose to choose to be in a human centipede. It's definitely posited on the if you had to. There's no other way on that question getting an answer. You were Lee Mack's phone a friend on uh, Who Wants to Be a
0: Millionaire? I was, yeah. Yeah. And you got the question right. I did, yeah. You've been very successful in... Uh, in
1: this Christmas. irks you a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because... Uh, you know, in, in America, they have... Uh, in showbiz, they were talking about the EGOT. People who've got yeah. an, an, an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar and a Tony. Yeah. Well, I've got uh, the FPC, uh, which is the British showbiz equivalent of... I've won 15 to 1, yeah. pointless and The Chase. Have you won, did you win the money on The Chase? Yeah. Hundred grand. And did, do you know what, and this is the thing about, because like, it's a really good day out, I had a brilliant time doing it. Uh, my team was Nigel Havers, <laughs> uh, Melinda Messenger. <laughs> I did not expect that. <laughs> Uh, Michelle, someone from Emmerdale, because yeah. I don't watch Emmerdale, I don't know more than that, but she's Michelle and she's very nice, and myself. And they went through the line, and Nigel won £1,000. And then uh, Melinda won, I think, £3,000. Uh, and then, or maybe it was, I can't remember, it's a bit more. And then uh, Michelle won like £7,000. And then I won seven or eight, or I think it was about seven, about the same as her, whatever. But then I got offered the big money, and I was offered £86,000, which took it to 100. Yep. Whatever they'd won before, mine took it to 100. Um, and so I went for it and won it, and then we beat the Chaser. Wow. Which is really exciting, and we're all cheering, and Nigel is cheering, we're all going, and everyone has won 25 grand, and a part of you is going, fuck off, Nigel. <laughs> <laughs>
0: 86,000 pounds! 1,000 pounds! 86!
1: (laughs) But you're not allowed to say that, you're not allowed to be that guy in the middle of that celebration. We're all, it's a team! We're a team! We won a hundred... 86 of it with me! (laughs) You fuckers! Why am I not being carried aloft? Why is it all high fives and hey, aren't we brilliant? I'm glad that winning could make you as angry as losing <laughs> But I did. I watched. I watched your most recent uh, yeah. pointless. And I. I felt sorry for you. Yeah. You no, did I'm, well. because no, I was married to Katie. No, no. I, I've never uh, felt sorry for me. I've always okay. thought, bloody hell, well done. Um,
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, about that's that. Right. But
1: the. Um, you know, it was a tough. It was a tough. You got close. You got very close. It's very close, Robert Lindsay. And I daughter. know that. You, I know because I've seen you talk about it on Twitter and stuff that in the final round that you didn't get into, you did have a pointless answer. Yeah. So had you got through, you would have won the money. Yeah. And I know because it's the same as when I was on it. I had, a, I had a fucking I had a pointless answer for the final round. <laughs> the difference being I got to the final round. <laughs> that, was that, was, that was that was that's the that's what separates us, Richard. Yeah. That's what yeah, that's,
0: separates us. Two points. So that
1: was. A, <laughs> we were lucky to get through the first round. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, we
0: were in the, I didn't mind in that third because that, that third appearance, I just felt like so amazed we got through every round. We yeah. like, we looked like we weren't going to get through, yeah. and I gave answers that I weren't even sure were right, and yeah. we got through. And we managed to get through, so it was. I was just relieved to have you know. But then you got. I got the first answer in the head to head right. It was like this is all heading. the right
1: yeah. way. We yeah, got
0: yeah. the we got the one. We, they went first, and we got their answer right. We're in. We just need to get out with the first answer right. Yeah.
1: The, the way you Richard get, Osman did it on purpose. I was, I was doing it with... My partner on, on Pointless was John Shuttleworth Who isn't even a real person. No, who isn't a real person. And I, I know Graham a little bit, not very yeah. well, but I've, I've sort of met him a few times and I've always got on with him. And I'm a huge fan. And, and, and one of the... When I was a student in Manchester and I'd just started doing stand-up, I saw him do a gig at the Buzz Club. It's one of the best live shows I've ever seen in my life. It was just... Phenomenal, and that never leaves you, and so I'm always a fan. Yeah. It's not someone I met in a dressing room and got on with and were on, I was on the bill with. I was a, a kid in the audience watching this genius blow the roof off a place. It was so good. And so I've always got a bit of that with me. And so I'm stood next to him, I'm pointless, just going, this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I'm watching him play the machinations. He's playing the game like nobody else, because he's thinking, not just what do I know but what would John know? <laughs> and, ha- and actually answering in character and, Look, and not saying things if he thinks, no, John wouldn't know that. <laughs> it's just like such a weird restriction to place on yourself on a show like that. But <laughs> it was a you joy. still won. I did, yeah. Which, now I'm very nervous about accepting any other yeah. quiz shows because I feel like my record... Well, you need to do Tipping Point. Uh, I mean, it doesn't it count Tipping a, a, Point. It feels a bit more of a game of chance. Well... Have you done tipping Point? No, I would love to. If you yeah. know the producers, please let them know. I've got a friend who is a friend of the producers. Okay, I yeah. don't know the producer myself.
0: I think I'm not ITV enough. I'm not ITV enough to go on The Chase, which is,
1: you know, apparently... I didn't think I was. No. Um, but some, I was, somebody... It was, a, it was a veiled insult. Yeah. Uh, LAUGHTER it's all I have I, take no, I it. take no insult
0: <laughs> in it. No, I'd love to I mean it right would feel like an insult
1: if you'd won pointless <laughs> um,
0: but you know I got the highest ever score in Celebrity Mastermind and it, then what happened? <laughs> someone else got a higher score <laughs> two minutes later <laughs> but then someone got a much higher score yeah. a later one so it was still I,
1: right. I on. I, I have I've I've been really, 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 really lucky. On I Genuinely, I'm not... That's, I, like, when I did 15 to 1, the series producer on the first four series of my show, he still works on my show, but he's not a series producer now, but the, he, his first ever job in telly was on 15 to 1. And so he used to write questions for it, and he sort of, that's where he sort of earned his spurs in telly, uh, under the William G. Stewart tutelage. And he was a real student of how the game played out. Uh, and when I came in the next day, he was like, oh, how did you do? And I, I won it. he was like, "How, oh, how well done. What podium were you in? I was like, 15. no way. 1 and 15 are always the worst. 1 and <laughs> 15, you, you, they're the, the, normally they're the ones who get picked off first. For some reason, the people in the centre don't get picked as much. And the people sort of look at the ends and they pick them. And actually, it was Frank Skinner was in podium one and Lucy Porter was in podium 14 and I was in podium 15. So we were in the three out of the four worst podiums according to this expert's theory. And we became the final three. And I think part of it was Frank started things off and and they said, going to nominate someone. And obviously, as there always are on these sort of things with 15 people, there's a mixture of people with different disciplines, but there were a few comics around. And Frank said... I don't think I should pick on another comic. I think the comics should not pick on one another, so I'm going to pick on... And he named an athlete or whatever. Uh, And that became a bit... It then became a bit rude (laughs) for a comic to pick on a comic. Yes. So we were all a little bit protected. And I just thought, I'm going to say nothing. (laughs) I'm just going to absolutely draw no attention to myself. And I I just played almost mum, and I only spoke if I was absolutely forced, and it became my question. And so nobody nominated me for ages... (laughs) I think probably I've got a bit of a good table game. It's like poker and people yeah. thought he might be good. Yeah. But people kept picking on Lucy Porter and she kept picking them off and getting the answer right and then going at them again. like She's such a good quizzer. And I, I only got through by saying nothing. Yeah. And then in the final round, I just watched Frank and Lucy pick on each other <laughs> and, and until they were dead. And then I just cleaned up a few and made yeah. a few quid. But I, I, just, I was just so lucky. It was like I was wearing an invisibility cloak on 15 yeah. to 1, which is the best tactic. Like, well, did you literally try and hide behind the little you just go and duck down and hide behind the little lights I I did what I could with my body I didn't actually go down but I sort of did hold myself in and sort of I didn't make eye contact with anyone I just stared into the middle distance and pretended I wasn't there
0: All right, stop going on about all your quiz
1: shows (laughs) (laughs) you're good at I'm surprised it took you this long to get there (laughs) The thing i was most looking forward to talking to you
0: (laughs) I know I knew you would that's why I didn't want to bring it up (laughs) Um, your new tour, which I can't believe you've had time to write anything, is starting, you might, can't have written it yet. I've got a bit. You've got some. I've got some written. It's starting in the autumn of 2018, is it? Already, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, September. Yeah. Yeah. So, with great PowerPoint comes great responsibility point. Yeah. Although at least one venue has printed tickets that say the title is With Great Power Comes Great Responsibility. <laughs> which is missing the point. It is. Um, twice, as it goes. But, um... Uh, yeah which is what you know that's the thing like, you have to have a title so that people know it's a new show but it, you can't give it a title because you haven't written it all yet so you just have to yeah it's a good title co- some a bit, construction of words I think if you come up with a title that makes people laugh straight away that's a good uh, Joe Lycett's the king of the, it that's absolutely the best yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that's the way aha uh-huh, aha uh-huh, Joe Lycett yes yeah <laughs> it's, a, it's a perfect perfect title but also he's peaked yes with that so <laughs> where else is he going to go?
0: Apart <laughs> that, he does have another. He's done other ones. Yeah.
1: yeah, that is the best. That one. is the best title. It is hard to yeah. hard to, hard to top that. So, Carl, it, Carl Donnelly had a very good one. I can't remember what it was, but I remember thinking, "Oh yeah." He had a really good poster where his head was too small for his
0: shoulders or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's going to be? What's is it going to be? More of the old, same, more the rubbish that you do on a telly. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. more <laughs> of that. I mean, it, it will be different to that, but yeah. it will be that is. I'm sort of. I am basically a double act with a screen. That is what I do. Um, And it would be weird. This is the thing with Modern Life is Goodish, whether people like it or dislike it. I'm. I'm the only comic in the last fifteen years to be given a show, which is a solo stand-up show that is like what they do live. Yes. There isn't a single other comic, who does like an extended, long-form stand-up is a thing yeah. and on telly stand-up exists in seven minute chunks yeah. but actually the people who do big tours don't aren't that seven minutes isn't what they're best at no. it isn't a series of seven minutes what you're best at is shaping something that lasts 90 minutes and it's got some form and that's what I do for a living and I I find it very hard to turn that into a seven-minute piece with a beginning, and middle, and end because mm-hmm. what I'm doing is in minute forty-seven of my show I'm calling back to minute seven and thirteen and twenty-eight. You know that—that's that, yeah. the structure of what I do. You can't put that into these really short sets. And I just—I just for genuine. I know it sounds pious or whatever, but like a real sense of privilege to be the guy who got that opportunity. I, do, I occasionally I get tweets from people sort of going, "Ah, oh, I really like that show. It should be on proper telly. It should be on BBC <laughs> Two. It should be..." Uh, Look, well show me when BBC two last gave someone an hour long stand up show. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't exist. I'm like no. i the only guy who's been given this opportunity. That's a brilliant privilege. What a what a shot. Yeah, no, to be able to do it. That's it, nice, is, nice, it is like and get, well,
0: and, and, you know and, But no, even comedians don't really get the chance to do sketch shows or, you know, yeah. so if you can manage to get a sitcom, that might happen. Yeah, yeah. It's mainly panel shows. And, yeah, yeah. You
1: know, those, that's the way to appear on TV. And for some, and for some people, the short, they can the reflect what they do in stand-up on a panel show, but a lot of people can't. No. And for a lot of people, you know, if they got a sitcom or whatever you could have a really funny sitcom and have people come and see you live and go, God, I didn't think it was going to be like that. Yeah. Because it, you can't, it can't be the same thing. Yeah. Whereas, mine, it, it's, it's an advert. Right? If you don't like that, you won't like seeing me live. If you like that, you will like seeing me live. Yeah. You just, will. It's, that's what it is. It's, yeah. That's the form of it. So, that's um, as good a calling card as you can get and I'm very happy with people who don't like it to not come and the people who do to come that's, yes. like, that's, <laughs> yes. that's
0: well, a that's, good thing yes. <laughs> <laughs> and are you going to do more of the TV series or is it, is it
1: I know it's been a struggle for you I don't know you, I, 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 um, I we did the first series and they commissioned two more immediately and then we did the second the, while we were making the third series they commissioned two more but then I had Eric and it is this 100 hours a week that we can't find a way around. We tried our hardest to find different ways of doing it during Series 4, and they all failed, and I ended up working harder to solve the problems that we'd created by trying to solve the problems. And I love it, and I'm really proud of it. I can't do it next year because of the tour, because it, it, this series took eight months to make, and you can't, you can't really do other work and an eight-month series. There, there isn't time yeah. in the year to make things happen and, and do the other things. So can't do it next year, so I've sort of said, like, they would like more, and I don't want to say no, but I also don't want to say yes. <laughs> so, like, I've, I've said no next year, and during that year, I'm perfectly comfortable with the idea that they might go, oh, we've got some new toys and we don't need you anymore. And I'm also perfectly comfortable with the idea that I go, do you know what, it's really nice going to bed <laughs> at the same time as my wife. Oh, that's nice, I, I don't want to do it anymore. So I don't know what's going to happen beyond next year. I've just said, let's put the brakes on and be friendly rather than commit to it sure. and then have it hanging over me. And if you have a year um, of
0: not doing it, you'll forget that it's how difficult it is and go back well, to doing see. it Well, let's see, yeah. <laughs> and if that <laughs> happens,
1: I will always come back to this podcast. Good.
0: And <laughs> <laughs> we could <laughs> To remind that. myself. Uh,
1: and, well, you did Taskmaster with Paul. You were in the same series as Paul. I was on, on? the same show as Paul, yeah. Yeah. Um, and loved it.
0: Yeah.
1: I loved it. Having talked about winning quizzes, that's the one thing I'm really, uh, I'm really jealous I didn't I came second on the series right. and they're now doing a best of like the, the winners of the first five series yes. are now doing a, a sort of Champions of Champions and I so wish I'd won it <laughs> I so wish I was doing that because it's the most fun in the it world like It's it, yeah. you can't it doesn't matter whether you do something well or not it, 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 <laughs> like, it's, it's funny to watch it back it just, like if you're absolutely shit at something that's excruciating but kind of funny to watch and if you're really good at anything that's just triumphant to watch and you just can't lose on the show. It's no. just such a funny
0: it's a great, thing it's, to it's be a, a part of.
1: It's a brilliant... Uh, and it's a, we talked
0: a bit about with uh, Rich Osman as well just in that it was that groundbreaking... He was saying he had a similar format well in terms of the returning people yeah and just before taskmaster came out everyone going no no yeah you can't do the same people no one will watch the same people doing every week and obviously
1: you do that and everyone goes oh Um, let's do the same people coming back every week and i I would i give props to uh, dave as a channel because they've had some successes with it with their original programming i don't know everyone mocks them for showing a lot of repeats and all of that but actually when they get things right Things Luckily, my show has done well for them, but Taskmaster's done brilliantly for them as well. And what they can't... I don't think they can do well with a panel show that's a bit like another panel show and just as good as another panel show. I think people won't go down the dial to them Mm. if it looks and feels like the sort of thing that's available on BBC2 or Channel 4 or whatever. And the things they've had success with are things where you go, I've not seen anything look like that before. Bloody hell, that's that's, that's novel. And so... It, it, they're the one channel that actually really pays to break the mold, yeah. And so other channels were going. No, we're not sure we want to have the same people back every week, isn't it? Just a panel show, and they yeah. were the ones going. Oh, other people wouldn't do this. Ah, good <laughs> for us. Yeah. And they enjoy being that that channel, and and they and they really back things if they work as well. Yeah. You know, they really get behind it and promote it and stuff. So I, I've, I've got nothing but no, positive well, things to say about. It
0: them. is. I mean, but it's interesting because it's you know it's sort of again it's a no-brainer that someone in a stand-up doing a, a stand-up show would work. You know, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. So, it's sort of bizarre that everyone else is more or less... I and mean, Stuart's the only other person that has got but close to But even those were, were halves. Half, they were half hours, know, and and I, I, I love the show. But and they've still taken away. But, you know, only you and he have managed to take what you want to do and put it yeah, onto TV, yeah. what you're good at doing and I think
1: what people don't necessarily get with Taskmaster, and one of the reasons it's so much fun to do, is there's actually a really big gap between you doing all the tasks and you being in the studio watching them back. Nice because they have to take all that footage away and edit it and work out what they're going to do with it and shape them and decide which ones are going to go into which episode and stuff. So, You've done ten days over the space of two or three months of going to the house and doing some tasks. That was was what we did. It was a shorter series. But it was ten days of filming. And each time you turn up, you do five or six things. And then it's months later. It's not like, oh, we just finished that and turn up next week and do the studios. So we were sitting there, and they, al- they always sit people in alphabetical order. So, that, that, so there's, it's meritocratic; they don't, they don't sort of choose and, and mould it. So it was always Al, me, Paul, uh, Sarah, and Rob, or Rob and Sarah. That's right. I can do the alphabet. <laughs> and uh, so I was always sat with, with Al Murray that side and Paul Crowley that side. So they're the only ones I can sort of whisper to during the show. And they'd bring up a task, and the number of times we would go, "God, what did you do in this one?" I've no idea. (laughs) <laughs> I've no, no idea, I, I gen, you genuinely wouldn't know how you'd done yeah. so there's one where I'd cheated and I'd forgotten I'd cheated <laughs> and they played it and I came out of it really well and I was thinking, but I must have done really well at that one I did not think i had done really well, that's great and then they pulled the rug from under you and go, oh hang on we got some close-up footage and there's <laughs> me pouring my cup of tea into the bucket or whatever, I'd completely forgotten doing that so it's actually a revelation to you Yes. at the same time as it is to the audience you do too much too quickly and you can't take it in there was one that wasn't in the shows. We did a little taster. They filmed like a short version with everyone on our series, like a 20-minute thing with just some bits. And they did the same with the cast from the series before us, all on the same day. Just, I don't know, sort of testing the relationships and checking some things were working or whatever as a sort of pilot. And one of the tasks that they showed in that was, you know, like on um, Art Attack or something, there'd be a camera up above and there'd be an artwork made out of yes. things we had to use toilet rolls to do a portrait of someone and it was all about whether Greg could recognise <laughs> who you'd done a portrait of yeah. uh, and so they, they sort of showed my, the face I'd made out of toilet rolls and then Greg was going I don't, I don't know his and eventually it became right Dave who is it I genuinely don't remember <laughs> I, Jenny, I have literally no idea whatsoever. And they had to tell me that I had said it was Mick Jagger. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I didn't know. <laughs> it's too many months have gone by. Uh, um, cool.
0: And uh, you, like play, you play a lot of tricks on your wife in, uh, increasingly in uh, Modern Life is goodish. Occasionally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How does she feel about this in, uh, in the real life world where these um, tricks are? She, she's quite
1: happy with it yeah she's um, my wife would hate it I have to say I my wife would I, really I, hate I it. hope and I think it is true that if you watch the episodes where there is sort of domestic um, content of that sort it is really obvious how heavily in, and deeply in love I am yes. with my wife um, and so that hopefully that comes across and leavens things uh, and in episode four of, of this series uh, she absolutely 100% gets her revenge <laughs> and That was very satisfying, especially for people who've watched all of the series and and sort of seen the number of times she is the butt of some gentle humour. But but yeah, occasionally, because she does work in telly, and obviously you cherry pick the moments that work for the show, and occasionally she does sort of sit there in the green room thinking, there's an executive producer there and a commissioning editor there who now think I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> and she's not. She's a really talented, really creative, really funny, great writer. She's brilliant at what she does. And, and so I do sort of have to go and underline to them occasionally just out of um, you know, doing the right thing. Yeah. That, like, there are things that I, one thing I love most about my wife is she cannot say the word Vietnamese. <laughs> <laughs> she can't say it. If you next time you meet her, that's yeah, going awesome. to say uh, it's, it's Vietnamese. Like, you can't. It's just weird. Just weird <laughs> syllables. He cannot separate something about those syllables, so it's Vietnamese. And, and you just go through it with again. Viet Viet Nuh, Nuh, Mies. All right, Vietnamese. <laughs> you you just can't. So, all right, and it just makes me laugh so much. But we've all got something like that. We've all got. <laughs> it doesn't make you stupid or bad at your job. It's just your little foible, and those things are. Oh, endlessly amusing <laughs> to me, <laughs> um, and she loves Vietnamese food as well. <laughs> but we don't have it anywhere near as much as she'd like.
0: <laughs> I did like the one, the trick you played with the um, the VTech toys, because we have. Oh, I think probably a lot of most people have, have those. Got them if they've got. Because it was Not the, they the same the same thing that that annoyed you that some of them have a, a reasonable song, yeah, and uh, some of them just feel what. They just like ad lib this in the studio. The one with the fire engine one is for age. That's the one we got. The fire engine goes. Yeah. Uh, quick, quick, kick comes the man with the ladder. It's just like really weird way of off we go to the big fire. Yeah. You know, yeah, and you kind of yeah. go. That's a. It doesn't rhyme. Is that how you view firemen as the matter? The people with the ladder. I mean, that's a yeah. sort of odd way of saying it. But then you know, maybe that's because they're all in
1: different languages, in different places, which is what you, your trick involves. But you, but you wouldn't have to translate the song exactly. You could, oh, no, you could, you could. let the German department decide on their own <laughs> song for their fire engine yeah. and then create another one for I the mean, British. I mean, I think they don't care, do they? They think, well, let's just get these things out there. The, the man who did the voice on the police car tweeted me to say oh, he did it. <laughs> 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 and it was the police car one that was, was the most comic yes. to us. Yes, yes. Um, because it just... I mean, it just makes no effort to rhyme yes. at all. I <laughs> can't remember quite what it is, but it's...
0: No. But the level of, you know, the level you've gone into on this prank where you're going to your friend's house, I don't want to give too much of it away, yeah. but changing, buying the foreign versions and
1: so you can switch so over you, the bottom... If bo- you buy if the, the buttons... foreign version and if you're lucky enough for the bottom half of the bottom... Because they don't... Like, the French ambulance is completely different colour yeah. scheme to the British ambulance and whatever. So you have to find ones that match in the colour scheme. And things like the cement mixer has a different coloured barrel in the foreign ones and whatever. But if you can find ones where the base and the wheels are the same colour and you've got a screwdriver, you can swap the tops over so that your wife, who has been playing with your child and his English language cement mixer, suddenly thinks that your child must have pressed something to turn it into a German cement mixer. (laughs) And that was all it was meant to be in the first place, was that I, she would say, oh, what have I done? I don't know how to change it back. And I'd just go, oh, you need to hold the screen in and press the two wheels and, and do a factory reset. Uh, and I'd be able to swap the English one back in and I'd always be able to do it and she wouldn't be able to do it. But then she went and reported it to our WhatsApp group of fellow parents and it spiralled out of control. LAUGHTER um. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I started going round to their houses and swapping their toys <laughs> when our ch- children were having playdates. And then one of them and started trying put to complain to VTech online. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I've got to fess up here. But great. also, to the extent you put in
0: dead batteries into the ones you were changing so that they wouldn't immediately spot it. So it would be
1: a well, few days before they... I've, I've got a reputation. So um, if, <laughs> if Dave's just been round and the cement mixer is now German, they might think, oh, that was Dave. But if I put dead batteries in it, Dave's just been round and the cement mixer isn't working. Oh, well, we'll fix that in a couple of days' time. We'll go to the, I'll go to Poundland and buy some batteries. Three days later, you've been to Poundland, you put the batteries in, now it's German. The fact that it's been dead makes you think, oh, something's reset. <laughs> well, yeah, and I'm off the hook. No one's thinking it's me anymore. <laughs> the fun part was trying to deaden so many batteries. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I worry that you put
0: this mind to evil purpose somewhere, nonetheless... As I don't think that's evil. No, it isn't evil, but my worry is that, as well as doing these, these pranks, that you've got some master crimes going on in the background that you are hiding. Well, I don't know if... Hiding. I haven't done the episode yet about my
1: Russian botnet. <laughs> um, but I am responsible for... Yeah. That's anything <laughs> for you. Well, we're going to have to wrap up, because,
0: uh, you know, I have to go to Hertfordshire now, get dirty with horses. Um, so um, why aren't on your tour why aren't you playing Cheddar at the King's Theatre in Cheddar (laughs) oh don't do that (laughs) because they didn't (laughs) book me it's just an annoying thing that uh, comedians get That I notice you have to keep on saying as well as I do we don't go to the places that uh, we don't go to because they don't book us that's how it works Um, All right. it was just for you and me Dave that one yeah (laughs) look thanks so much for coming on uh, it's the show, and thank you for being uh, a fantastic guest to end the series on I hope next series uh, my child will be sleeping mm. a bit more and uh, I-, I won't be as tired uh, but um, <laughs> <laughs> probably you know going to carry on like this for a few years and then I mean the thing if is if you want to go and have two yeah I'm so are... old I've just realised I'm never getting out the other end of this <laughs> and I'm I'm thinking about just, just ending it Which bit
1: are you thinking of ending?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Me, for the moment. Right, okay. So that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's the best.
1: I don't think that's in their interest.
0: No. That's the problem
1: with Isn't them. That's the... I've got to hang around or it wrecks it for them. Yeah. Yeah. Fuckers. Um, little fuckers. <laughs> they're little fuckers. They're nice, though. Uh, but um, and Now you've had two. They're only getting half a house in Hertfordshire <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, um, it's a, it's so, a raw deal. They're not getting anything. I'm, I'm gonna. When I'm dying, I'm burning the fucking house down. <laughs> my wife's not getting anything. My kids aren't getting anything. That's it. Bang. Is that why the emergency question, what do you most regret burning? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you most look forward to burning is the, the next series? We'll be back pretty, if you're listening at home, we'll be back almost immediately with series 13. Uh, we'll be back, if you're listening here, we'll be back uh, in the beginning of February through to, I mean, it's crazy. We're both on tour next year. Uh, do come and see uh, all the comedians on these podcasts. Thank you very much for supporting us at home. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you very much. Good luck. Dave Gorman! i have been listening to Rich The Square The Apocalypse be Rich Hanks, and my guest, David James Gorman. The music is by Pest and there's a member of Pest called James, that's what I'm guessing. Thank you to everyone at Les Square Theatre, especially James. Thank you to everyone at Go Faster Stripe, especially James Evans. Not that one. Thank you to everyone at the British Comedy Guide. There's no one called James there. That would be crazy. Coincidence. My producer, I'm indebted to Ben Walker. Uh, this is a James Sky Potato. GoFasterStripe.com and James Fuzz Production <laughs> for the internet. I know. I've gone mad. Please come and see me on tour. richardhangcom slash gigs. I'll be better than this credit sequence, I promise.